but it speaks to his character that he is so tax avoidant for California and and for his federal income taxes as well because he doesn't have income. The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode number 67 of the Tesla Q podcast, the hibernation of Tesla Q. So I hope you enjoyed those baby sounds at the beginning. That's been far and away the biggest reason that I haven't had many episodes lately. But also, Tesla Q has basically gone into hibernation. Elon Musk has had full control of the narrative for quite some time now. Uh, Some would say going all the way back to December the 6th of 2019, but definitely since uh, about May of 2020, he's he's definitely had strong, strong control of the narrative. There has been very little bearish news that's come out. A lot of a lot of bullish things for Tesla. One of which is the the settlement of Martin Tripp's lawsuit. I have no idea what the the net payout that Martin received was. I my best guess is that he probably came out ahead in things. Uh, even though he even though the publicly released information was that he had to pay, I think, $400,000 to Tesla or something. My guess is that the net payment was was in Martin's direction, but that's totally speculation on my part. I have nothing to back that up. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a long time since I've had a new episode. I think it was uh, maybe September or August or so of, of 2020. I don't exactly remember when episode 66 was, but it was uh, it was after my baby arrived. So this is the second episode post-baby. Thus, the, the baby sounds early on. She was a little bit fussy, so it wasn't pure giggles, a little bit of a upset giggle, so not the best baby sounds ever. But back to the, the Tesla story. Uh, actually, no, before we get to the Tesla story, uh, if you have subscribed on Patreon and totally forgot that you're making a monthly payment and, and want to reconsider that, please go do that. I am not going to be pushing the Patreon anytime soon as I've very much failed to put out new content over a long period of time here. In the near future, I hope to do an episode talking a little bit about Tether. Uh, it's a stable coin that feeds into the whole cryptocurrency ecosystem, uh, Bitcoin, all that stuff. I saw earlier today that the new Real Vision president, Travis Kimmel, who's who's become one of my better Twitter friends, I feel like, uh, with some of the back and forth discourse that we've had, was uh, on an episode of, of, I forget what the name of the podcast was, but talking about Tether and Bitcoin and, and various things like that. So I, I need to go listen to that, make sure that, that I take all of that in before I spit out my own Tether Q podcast. It's probably only going to be one episode about Tether because I eventually need to get around to shifting to the Not That Evil podcast. So Not That Evil because Tesla Q is not happening anytime soon. Tesla is not going bankrupt. They have far too much cash to go bankrupt anytime soon. So that's totally off the table. That's one reason for 
Tesla Q having gone into hibernation. Also, bears in general have gone into hibernation. As the market has rallied to new all-time highs post-pandemic, uh, despite whatever the underlying economy has been doing, money is way too cheap, and there's way too much belief that the the Fed is just printing money. The money printer goes burr, as the meme goes, uh, regardless of, of how, how direct the liquidity injections are. Enough people believe that there are liquidity injections that it's caused the market to go up substantially. And... Bears have been in hibernation long before this past week when, uh, with the GameStop situation, there have been coordinated attacks against short sellers uh, to try to blow up their portfolios uh, as a direct goal of, of trading activities. So even before that, bears have been hibernating. But that may be coming to an end, ironically enough, with the GameStop situation. So the the game may be stopping, as was pointed out on Twitter by Puff Dragon. Uh, I think I had a, I also made a tweet back on Monday or Tuesday of last week, pointing out that the the GameStop volatility looked to me to be indicative of possibly the the market topping. There is still a gap up, up above uh, in the the S and P from I think it gap down on Thursday or. Friday. I forget exactly where the gap is, but but there is a gap that's open above. There are many, many gaps open below that need to be filled for, for you technical analysis people out there. Um, pers- my, my personal investing journey, Tesla Q journey, whatever, uh, on Twitter, I've shifted much more from being solely focused on Tesla to being more general, general market focused and technical analysis focused. And recently, of course, uh, taking a look at the the whole tether situation, so that's that's become more my focus as the the Tesla trade has gone horribly, horribly, horribly against me, uh, with it going up about twenty x over the past year in rough numbers. Early days of the podcast, I actually started the account I think on December twenty seventh, eighth or ninth of two thousand eighteen, so just before twenty nineteen started. So the the first five months of the account. Tesla's share price went down pretty, prete much consistently throughout that time. Uh, it, it had its its bumps upward in in that time period, but it had the they had the the layoffs in January of 2019, which caused a, a big share price drop uh, on on a Friday. Which I happened to have some put positions that did really well that day, which caused me to probably develop some bad habits in regards to to trading Tesla. There was also the the Model Y reveal, which seemed to be extremely rushed right after the news about Tesla closing their stores, which that was a big a big hit to the share price. And they reversed that decision almost immediately afterward when they found out they couldn't get out of their leases. Uh, there was the Cybertruck reveal, which that was later on in the year, um, but that was a sell the news event. Uh, earlier in 2019, there was also, uh, there was the Adam Jonas call on May 23rd of 2019, which was supposed to be a, a private call, but the information did eventually get out where he mentioned that Tesla might be a, a uh, controlled uh, detonation, a bankrupt, possible bankruptcy story. This was like three weeks after they had raised capital, uh, with, which I think Morgan Stanley was involved in that, that capital raise. That was their first capital raise in quite some time. Uh, looking back on that time period, I, I still firmly believe that the capital markets were closed to Tesla through the judgment made by Allison J. Nathan asking Elon to put on his reasonableness pants and not to 
tweet market moving information, which ironically enough, he did this past week with, with his uh, tweeting of game stunk. So he yet again violated his, uh, his SEC settlement, in my opinion. I do think that was a, a substantial part of their not having access to capital markets up through that decision, which was at the very end of April 2019. They raised capital, I think, on May 2nd of 2019. So they got like $2 billion of capital there, which was dependent upon uh, the ability of people to short sell. Uh, that was a convertible, primarily a convertible note offering, which with convertible notes, the people who buy the convertible notes basically always automatically short the stock as well uh, to lock in their position. So if not for the ability to short sell, Elon may have not been able to get that capital to save the company. So that was about $2 billion in 2019. They also raised $2 billion in February of 2020. Then, of course, they raised $5 billion in September of 2020 and then $5 billion more in December of 2020. So uh, that's why Tesla's cash balance currently is at like just under $19 billion or right around $19 billion of cash on their balance sheet, which is why Tesla Q as, as a concept, Tesla going bankrupt, is not on the table right now at all, uh, which is why Tesla Q is basically in hibernation on, on Twitter. Uh, there were some really smart accounts on Twitter. Smart, I, I, I found them to be smart. Some people would disagree uh, that were part of Tesla Q early on. Even the the penultimate Tesla Q thread from Elgato Malo talking about how Tesla Q was a, a self-correcting entity, all that stuff, which I've talked about on a previous episode of the podcast. He and several others ended up tweeting much more about coronavirus-related things and political things than Tesla Q. So that contributed to the hibernation of Tesla Q. Tesla hit lots of uh, lots of marks pretty well. Uh, they managed to report a gap profit every quarter of 2020. It did require selling many, many regulatory credits to get to that, but they made it happen. Uh, they got just within a hair of reporting 500,000 deliveries for 2020, which was the the guidance, which in light of the pandemic, uh, which caused, a, I think, a, about a six-week factory shutdown in, in Fremont, they still managed to, to be able to report that. However, they did it. Uh, price cuts is a, a big factor, clearly, uh, as the average selling price of their vehicles has gone down. But uh, yeah, uh, Elon said some really dumb things about the coronavirus in March and April and May. He pushed the limits to get his factory restarted in Fremont. Uh, I believe he violated some county orders in Alameda County to no repercussions. He vented on Twitter about how upset he was with California at the time. And then, of course, later in the year, he moved from California to Texas. Uh, he sold his houses in California and moved to Texas. Clearly, 100% well, not 100%, but a substantial portion of what was behind that move was tax implications. Additionally, they do have the Boca Chica uh, future spaceport uh, with SpaceX, so he'll, he'll be closer to that. So that that's a, a legitimate reason for him to move to Texas. Uh, the tax implications, I mean, are, are a wholly logical reason for him to move, but it speaks to his character that he is so tax avoidant for California and and for his federal income taxes as well because he doesn't have income. He derives his he he derives his living expenses 
from loans against his holdings in Tesla and SpaceX. So he's probably avoided more tax than maybe almost anyone in U.S. history. And that would be an interesting thing to study. That was uh, just a thought that I had off the top of my head just now. But I would be interested to know if there's anyone else in U.S. history who has avoided more federal income tax since federal income tax became a thing, which has only been in the since the 20th century. So that just something to think about. Back to the hibernation of Tesla Q. A uh, couple more things, thinking back historically. I apologize, I didn't make notes before I started just rambling into this microphone, but um, back in August of 2019, there was the, the Walmart lawsuit with the, the solar roof fires at at least seven different Walmart locations. And then late in that same week, there was a report out that there was an Amazon location that had a fire as well from a, a Tesla slash City uh, installation. So that that was in 2019. That got settled, I believe, in September or October. I think it was September of 2019, which also happens to be when Gary Black started following Tesla closely and and bought his position, which in hindsight was perfect timing. So props to Gary Black on that. October 2019, of course, was when Tesla reported a profit, which caused the shares to skyrocket and may have. That may have actually been the, the time when the the out-of-the-money call options flow for Tesla really started going. I don't know if that was the true start or if it wasn't until December 9th or 10th, right after the verdict in the Vern Unsworth lawsuit of not liable for Elon Musk, which was the same day that Tesla's general counsel left, December 6th, 2019. And of course, that position has not been backfilled. I'm not sure which date is is the date that the out of the money call options gamma squeeze for Tesla started, but considering this week with the GameStop gamma squeeze and short squeeze as well, it should be noted that Tesla was the the OG in that regard. It was the out of the money call option flow just week after week after week with Tesla that caused their share price to go up 20x from late 2019 to here early 2021 that's very similar to what's happened with GameStop so I don't I'm not sure that any of the mainstream news stories have pointed out that connection but as someone who's followed Tesla closely that connection is absolutely there Tesla call options are the the precursor to the GameStop call options which were a substantial force behind the recent share price rise for GameStop uh, but back to Tesla. So uh, that was the August, September, October timeframe was when the the Solar City, uh, Walmart lawsuit for the Solar City fires, Tesla Solar fires was out there, and then that cleared up. The Vernonsworth lawsuit cleared up. They did have their Cybertruck announcement. There was there was some share price run up ahead of the Cybertruck announcement, and then it was a sell the news event in November of 2019. They had the the earnings in October of 2019 in the same quarter when their year over year revenue declined which i my far one of one of many of my biggest mistakes in following the tesla story was thinking that seeing a year over year revenue decline would cause the market to think hmm maybe tesla's not a growth stock but because they reported a profit the share price skyrocketed that quarter and of course subsequently particularly in uh, quarter three and four of 2020, they did in fact have revenue growth. So it returned to growth with the the Chinese 
factory, gigafactory, if you will, which thinking back to a previous episode of the podcast, when I interviewed Phoenix 10, uh, I think it was, I think it was one of the first like dozen episodes of the podcast. He pointed out that if the Chinese government is behind this factory building, it, it's going to get done quickly. And lo and behold, he was, he was spot on with that. I, I wish that I had kept that in mind and given more credence to the fact that Tesla could actually sell vehicles profitably from their Chinese factory. I very much doubted the, the Chinese consumer in that regard, similar to how I've doubted the American consumer after the coronavirus. A large portion of, of America, the American consumer, has really not seen any any hit to their purchasing power with the coronavirus. Thinking of my own situation uh, with my own job, I've been able to work from home ever since March. I haven't had to go back to the office. I haven't had to take any kind of salary reduction or anything. And there's probably a lot of people like me who have been able to do their job from home with with no decrease in their purchasing power. On the other end of the spectrum, there are people who work in restaurants and stuff who lost their jobs completely and are in terrible shape. And my overall trading mindset focused more on that second group of people as opposed to recognizing that a large portion of the consumer class in America has not been hurt at all by the coronavirus as far as monetarily. They've probably lost loved ones or and friends to the virus, but, but purchasing power-wise, I don't think they've been hit. And the Chinese consumer... I presumed did not have the purchasing power necessary to make the Chinese factory worthwhile for Tesla. In the long run, that thesis might end up being correct, but it wasn't correct for in terms of Tesla being able to hit their 500,000 delivery guidance almost. They were like within 2,000 of of hitting that and they hit they were profitable. The amount of regulatory credits that Tesla sold in 2020 I would say is suspect. Uh, it was considerably more than I, I, than p- prior years. I think I read that it was more than the th- three previous years combined, but I might be misremembering that, so don't hold me to that. Either way, it was a substantial increase from 2019 to 2020 in terms of their regulatory credit sales. The thing that has to be remembered with those regulatory credit sales is that other manufacturers are bringing out more and more and more electric vehicles, which will cause them to have much, much less need to purchase regulatory credits from Tesla in the future. One would think the accounting of that and, and everything is, is going to be something interesting to watch. I am I'm very interested to see the 2020 10K come out. I would guess it might be out by Valentine's Day. Maybe, maybe outside chance it would be out this upcoming week, uh, the first week of February, maybe the second week of February. But uh, I do look forward to seeing that and seeing discussions about the regulatory credits and how how that's going to look going forward. But the general theme of this episode is that over the past roughly 15 to 18 months, there has not been nearly as much bearish news relating to Tesla as bullish news, especially at a surface level. Uh, There has been little bits of bearish news like there was the the news about the the Chinese recall of of Model S and X vehicles for the Wampy Wheels, which is something that's been harped on a lot. Past episode, I interviewed Keith Wiveneff, who has doggedly tracked down that that issue over years and years and years. Uh, Tesla, of course, blamed that on the driving 
habits of the Chinese drivers, which is absurd. So Tesla really saw basically zero impact to their share price from that. I think there may have been a very slight dip for like one day, maybe two days, but it it's far surpassed that since then. Uh, Tesla, of course, had their share split back in, uh, I think, I think the date of the split was like August 31st, which ironically enough, almost marked the top to the day, uh, that local top of the market as a whole, Tesla and Apple had their share splits, I think on the same day that caused Tesla share price to run up considerably. I think it may have doubled just because of the, uh, the share split, which is stupid, completely stupid. Uh, then also they, were added to the S&P 500, which caused the share price to run up considerably. And I think it more than doubled. I think it was under under $400 on like November 16th or whenever it was, whatever day it was that the, the share, uh, the S&P 500 edition was announced. I remember that I was test driving a vehicle that day when I saw the news. Uh, it was aftermarket on a Monday. But uh, so Tesla still today, or as of Friday's closing price, I think was more than double what the what the price was when the S and P 500 edition was announced. So that was that was wildly bullish for Tesla, uh, at least for Tesla shareholder base. Uh, my personal opinion is that that's a really dumb reason to bid the shares up that much. But but what do I know? I I think that fundamentals should matter. So my opinion is probably pretty bad here uh, to listen to in 2021. But Lots and lots of bullish news for Tesla. Not very much bearish news at all over the past few years, which is how it managed to go up 20x in value. But with the report on Wednesday, January 27th of 2021 uh, of Tesla's fourth quarter, things might be starting to change a little bit. Uh, Tesla's gross margin percentage for their uh, vehicles has was down from quarter three despite a whole lot more vehicles having been delivered, which should raise some red flags. Uh, part of that was uh, that they paid off some convertible bonds early and they had ex- an extra interest expense associated with that. So that should be considered. Like it's not, it wasn't like totally because of s- sales prices, but there was likely a de- decrease in average sales price that contributed to the deteriorating gross margin how how much of a trend is that going to be going forward it's really hard to say i th- i'm going to try to avoid considering that too much in my own thinking but the one main thing that i am going to continue to watch is the wealth effect my per- my opinion and observation which is largely largely influenced from looking at the the model 3 tracking spreadsheet from troy Teslike for the period of March 2020 through May 2020 in the height of the pandemic is that equity prices need to be high for Tesla to make a lot of sales. So my own in my own life I I recently purchased a new to me vehicle uh, back in December and I shopped for it for a very long time and during the process of me buying it I felt very much less wealthy than I have over recent years because of my uh, bearish position in Tesla and thinking that the market could go, could go down, uh, which is just a silly, silly concept, I know. Uh, but, but in 2020, other than the pandemic, uh, 
after that period, the market pretty much just went up. There were a few few short periods of time where it went down, but for the most part, it just went up. So my own uh, trading portfolio was down considerably in 2020. I may have had the worst year of almost anyone that, that I've seen on, on Twitter or anything. So as I was shopping for a new vehicle, I did not feel very wealthy. So I very much limited myself to lower priced vehicles. Uh, so I think I, I struggle to see how if the S&P 500 doesn't stay elevated and the NASDAQ, particularly the NASDAQ maybe with uh, Tesla's consumer base, but if those index, indexes don't stay elevated and if equity prices don't stay elevated, I think that Tesla's uh, consumer base will be considerably decreased. And I think that is probably the best best thing to look at in regards to Tesla over the long term going forward. Clearly, they have plenty of cash. As of now, it seems that they have plenty of access to capital. If GameStop has an at-the-money offering this week uh, to fleece the, the retail shareholders who have, have caused its share price to raise, rise so much, uh, there may be some changes to to how easily companies can do at the market offerings, but for now it seems that Tesla ha- has access to as much capital as they could possibly want for their growth plans. But do they have people to buy the vehicles? That's that's ultimately my question. That's been my question going back to 2018 when I first started following Tesla so co- so closely. Uh, is do are there enough people? who will buy vehicles at that price point, uh, electric vehicles. And also, of course, there's the competition coming. The competition is is certainly important as well. Uh, I'll be interested to see how the, the Mach-E re- release goes. I, I don't think I've seen one on the roads yet, but probably in the not-too-distant future, that'll be out there. So other vehicles will be important. But I think the size of the consumer base that could afford and would want a Tesla is maybe the more important thing. So lots and lots of things have gone Tesla's way and Elon Musk's way over the last 18 months. He had a, a new baby boy, so congrats to, to Elon for XASHA12. It's an interesting name. Not the not the type of name I gave to my, my child, but... Um, Congrats to Elon and Grimes on their their baby boy on May the 4th. Be with you. But we'll see how things go going forward. Tesla Q and bears in general have been in hibernation, but winter does not last forever. And here on January 31st, 2021, it's roughly halfway through winter as a season. So We'll see, we'll see when winter actually comes to an end for all the bears out there in the market. Maybe it's this week, maybe it was last week, maybe that was the awakening, but we'll see how things go going forward. Uh, if you have subscribed to the Patreon for the podcast and totally forgot about it, feel free to consider dropping that. Uh, I will not be offended. I'd, I've been very, very bad at keeping track of the Patreon for this thing, so... Don't feel the need to to continue a subscription there. I, I don't plan to put out any exclusive content for subscribers anytime in the near future. I do plan to put out a Tether Q op- episode of the podcast in the near future. So be on the lookout for that. And if you like my charts on Twitter, yay, I guess. Uh, I'm still, still trying to learn technical analysis. So 
that's one of my favorite favorite things to do in recent times as Tesla Q is in hibernation, but maybe not for too much longer. So appreciate you listening. This has been episode 67 of the Tesla Q podcast. Bye-bye.